Hello, my friends. This is uh, the fifth Q&A that John and I did from September 1st. We talk uh, about a whole bunch of different things, including guitar amp simulators, which we hadn't gotten into before, uh, monitor controllers, and a little bit about business stuff, what to charge as a mixer and a producer, and how to turn down projects, how to say no, which I think is a really important topic. Thank you guys for checking it out. Subscribe and like and share it with anybody that you think would find it useful. Here's my conversation with John. What's up, buddy? What up? How are you feeling? <laughs> Dude, yesterday was wild. Got a little food poisoning, huh? Dude, I hate that shit. It just comes out of nowhere. I didn't eat anything weird. Just down for the whole day. Mm, interesting, interesting. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know what it was? No, I didn't eat anything weird. And I didn't like just nothing out of character. So just some reaction. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Are you feeling a little bit better today? You said it was yesterday hit you. Yeah, I'm a, a lot better today, but I'm going to be a little low energy for the for the for the guests out there. It's all good, man. You're always you're always thoughtful and, and generous with your time. Um, I've, I've been getting a few messages and a couple of people were talking about on the chat there mm. um, about uh, about switching over to Twitch or something like that, switching over formats. Yeah. Um, have you have you spent any time doing doing anything else with any other? No, but I'm open, open to anything. Yeah, we may look into Twitch. Definitely uh, hit me in the DMs and let me know what else you guys like. If, if Twitch seems like a good place to do it, I know we can, um, we can probably stream uh, a little bit more easily, maybe multi-stream to other formats as well, YouTube, some other things. But um, and somebody said disclosure streams uh, at this time on Twitch as well. So um, we could also yeah, yeah, yeah. we could swap times by an hour, swap days or something. I mean, the Tuesday has been pretty great. But if you guys yeah. have other preferences, uh, definitely let us know. Um, you know, we want to yeah. make this want to make this easy for everybody and make it useful. So whatever's going to make the most sense. And obviously, we'll we'll do a live stream and then put clips on Instagram on the live with Matt rad. And, um, I was saying before you got on the, um, started to put together the more of the audio versions of these. I've been behind on that because of the move, but, um, put up number seven yesterday, going to do a few more in the next few days. Um, so get a bunch more. There's, I know there's a few people that really just like, um, listening to these and instead of having to have Instagram on to watch a full episode or YouTube or that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so got a lot. That. We've got a lot of good questions. Um, maybe we'll just kind of do, there's a few rapid fire ones uh, that I thought would be good um, to just kind of ease into it. Uh, maybe we'll lean a little bit more like I told you over text on some of the production questions. Um, yeah, whatever lets you do more talking this time. <laughs> I'm so out of it. <laughs> um, somebody asked about, uh, about electric guitar stuff. Um, you know, good effects go to a Con Connor... Tanzi was asking about that. Um, I think the answer to that is I, I don't love any of the guitar uh, emulators. Um, I actually think the Pro Tools 111 is probably my favorite for amps, but it doesn't have really a lot of effects on it. Um, I use a guitar rig. I use Amplitube. They all kind of have various sounds that are mostly not very good, but a couple of them are okay here and there. You got to kind of dig with them. I, I think, you know, coming from recording a lot of live guitars. We may have talked about this on a, on a previous stream, but recording a lot of live guitars. Um, I'm so used to that, that all of these, all of the emulators, all of the amp simulators and things don't sound that great to me. Um, like I said, 11, I think the Pro Tools one has the best pure amp simulation that I've heard. Um, but I'll, I'll basically just kind of, I have a few presets that I like on Amplitube, on Guitar Rig, 
Um, if you guys have other suggestions, hit me up. Helix isn't bad. Um, yeah, a lot of that's that's the sound it says. Uh, um, Johnny said Helix isn't bad, but you have to roll off the high end, or otherwise it sounds fake. I, I find that a lot. Everything's kind of like bright. You don't need high end on sound. guitars anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna roll it off anyway in the mix, so whatever. Phil says Strymon Iridium changed my life for electric guitars. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, uh, looks like there's a lot of good suggestions. Uh, DM me some of these things because I, I don't, I, you know, I'm always looking for new stuff. I kind of hate the way all I heard. I heard in the question uh, effects on guitars, so I just want to yeah. say add chorus to everything. <laughs> that's your solution to everything. Just chorus to everything. The Juno chorus plugin that Tall makes, the Eventide H3000. Man, um, oh, yeah, the H3000 is magic on keyboards, guitars, all yeah. kinds of stuff. A bunch of people are hitting here with, with suggestions. Uh, we, we'd have to go back in the chat, and I don't think the lives uh, save the chat. So actually, if you, can, if you guys can, DM me. I'm, I'm really curious, and maybe we can make a list of them. Um, yeah. uh, uh, Bradley, who's, who's probably watching here, has been taking great notes on these episodes, and I haven't gotten back to him yet, but we're actually going to have uh, maybe have some podcast notes up as well, or live stream notes um, so maybe, um, maybe we can, we can put some of that together. Um, yeah, I generally just hate the way a lot of the guitar <laughs> stuff sounds, but, but, uh, yeah, if you guys DM me, send me some ideas. Um, what else I like, I like this one and I'd be curious what, what, what you think. I like this question too. Dylan asked, if you could only have one synth for the rest of your life, what would it be and why Juno? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know that mine would be Juno. Actually, I think mine would probably be Prophet Six, like one actually analog. I mean, I have the Ju Juno Six there, Prophet Six there, Minimoog Voyager there. Um, I think. I think the Prophet Six is probably my favorite because it's it's really deep. It has a lot of uh, a lot of great presets. Um, it's everything super usable, um, and you can get you know Juno esque sounds out of it. Juno's great. I think Ju the Juno Six is my favorite learning synth. We talked about this on a on a previous stream because it's very very simple there's no presets there's no midi you're forced to actually twiddle knobs to get sounds and each time you move something it's a brand new sound yeah. um but as but for one synth to live with forever that's not possible for recall purposes if you want to change the key of the song and all of that so that wouldn't be on the list for one one synth forever what you would you have to have you had similar you had a similar string of since the first time I went over to your I still place. Have. I have yeah. Prophet 6, Juno 106, and I have a Voyager. Uh, I would, really, I would you, have, you have the same three as me. Yeah, <laughs> I, would, I would choose the Juno 106. That's what I have. You have the sixth. Um, I would choose the 106 because you have MIDI capability. You have presets. Uh, it's just a little more versatile overall, but the six is my favorite for sure, sonically, uh, for that intuitive nature of just fucking around. But if you want to have something reliable that's going to be able to recall a setting, like, you know, day six of a production, like you got to come back and do a different bridge and you want that same sound. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it, that I would choose the 106 would be the answer. For you, me. Get, you, you get one synth, you take the 106 over the Prophet 6? Over the Prophet 6, yeah. Just because what? I can make a gazillion songs that of my, it's just a, a preference. It's an aesthetic preference. I, the 106, I can make a bazillion songs with sounds that I love out of that so i think the prophet six might be a little more versatile overall uh which is why i know why you're saying that but the yeah. 106 to me is just like that's me all day so if i'm going to write or produce songs i want the 106 on everything yeah yeah uh, but i think the prophet six is way more versatile than that too so yes i like a i like a synth that has a thousand presets uh and and it, and almost i said 
the, the vast majority are very usable too. Like totally. the Dave Smith instrument guys did a really great job with that. Um, yeah, Peter no, Dyer uh, did all of the, the yeah. presets for that. Peter's a friend. He did. He was working on the eleven, the twelve, and the six, the eight always doing presets. I, ha I had a 12 for a while and it was what I realized with that. And this is a, 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 a topic that I think is kind of interesting for maybe for some people that the 12 was probably a more powerful synth than the six, but it required a lot more sound design focus. Yes. It was a lot deeper. And so yeah. if you want to go super, super deep, you know, choose your, choose your synths accordingly. Are you the type of person that likes to just bap through a bunch of presets to find something? Are you someone that really likes to sound design deeply? Do you want lots of options? Do you want medium options? That's why like a Juno yeah. uh, 6 or a 106 is really great because you do have lots of programmability at your fingertips, but it's not so deep that it gets overwhelming. Yeah. Um, the 12 is a little overwhelming for me. Um, and so I basically swapped it for the 6 um, yeah. be because the, si the 6 was so immediately usable, although people... People love uh, people love the. 12. Also, that the twelve has a higher filter on it, meaning that the the low pass on it is higher than most synths. Thing is like eighteen or twenty k, so it's brighter and it's just, it doesn't sit in a mix and in a production as well as the six does. Uh, it's just a little bit more on that EDM tip. It's a little just it's brighter. It's more brittle. It doesn't sound as warm and lush as the classic profits and the Junos do. So more, that's an aesthetic more digital thing as modern. Well. Yeah, it, and that's it. Doesn't it doesn't hold up? It's it's. I think it's very specific to a style of music. People are having good good commentary about uh, amp stuff in the uh, in the com in the comments. Definitely um, definitely hit me up with that because maybe we'll make a list for next week and kind of read off nice. what people talk about. Um, let's see. Oh, here's one that, that I thought you might you might be able to respond to. I've I've had this as well. Uh, Somebody asked, I don't know if I want to say their name, but uh, it says, someone just beat my mix for the first time. How do I deal with this emotionally? Don't respond emotionally. <laughs> it's not, just, just move on. It's not, there's nothing personal or emotional in there to tease out. Um, so you can sit with it all you want emotionally and it's not, nothing's going to change. They, they chose the other mix. Um, I mean, I deal with this all the time, I guess. Not all the time. My, I guess that's an exaggeration. Uh, but it happens. Like, I just got six out of eight songs on a project that I was hired to do eight, and they used six of mine. They were using a rough mix for one, and then they hired my friend Tyler to do another one. It was great that Tyler got the gig, right? Like, there was just no animosity in the process. I'm happy they used six out of the eight. Sometimes it's just not the right fit. It can't always be the right fit. No mixer is one size fits all. Um, I think beat is not the right language to use. Nobody beat you. Um, it's a yeah. it's more it's a it's a preference thing. It's a it's a this worked better for the song thing. It's about I, I think the the simple answer is reframe um, the response. Nobody nobody beat you. This isn't a competition. Uh, it's an artistic choice. There's, um, there's, we're going through clips from I think our seventh chat, which uh, we just put up, just put up on the audio version is up wherever you find your podcasts. Um, the seventh <laughs> one, and and you, I think it's from that one. We're going through clips with Francesco. There's one where you're talking about. Um, 
sort of copying versus it was a, it was a conversation about using your ears and mm-hmm. how to train your ears. And you talk about Jason Joshua, Joshua, who's a great mixer and talk about Max Martin, talk about if you're trying to be someone else, you're ultimately never going to be them. You got to kind of find your own thing and it's, yeah. a, and, and you should find your, your taste and develop your taste so that people hire you for your thing. And what that means though, is that you're not always going to be right for everything. You're going to do the thing that you think is best and it may not be the right production. It may not be the song that makes the record. It may not be the mix. You got to be okay with yeah. that. I mean, you got to, you got to make things on some level. You got to make things for you. Um, and to the way that you want to hear them, because ultimately that's what's going to give you the longevity in a career. If you're the type of person that is just trying to copy what's out there, you're just going to be a step behind. It's like the Kanye yeah. West quote, trend is always late. If you're following what's happening right now, you're behind already. I mean, yeah. by definition. Um, so it's okay if you, if, you're, if you do your best work and somebody doesn't choose it, it's not that you, one was better than the other. It just wasn't right for the, for the project. Yeah, just re- reframe it. It's not yeah. emotional. It's not personal. Um, Good question, though. Yeah, it's, I like that question. Um, Ty asked uh, Avocet versus Grace. Or like, how does that? How does monitor controller affect what you're doing? Here, I I lo- I, lo- oh. I lost you because your internet. Can you hear me? Can you hear you me? Are. I can frozen. hear me. Uh oh. Let me see. Yeah. Got you. All right, we're back now. Okay. Um, so the, the question was uh, Ty asked Avocet versus Grace M905, but more broadly, monitor controllers, how to think about them. I know we just talked about this a little bit with uh, the Unfuck guys when they were here. Um, you know, I have, I have an Avocet. I'm going um, from the from my Apollo into the Avocet digitally and letting the Avocet do the D to A conversion. Basically, monitor controller uh, is about your D to A D to A conversion. So the quality of your monitoring we talk about a lot. Quality of speakers, um, but getting a good D to A conversion is an important part of that process. Do you have specific thoughts on it or or things? Well, you those want to touch those on? are the two I have most. Um, experience with. I had an Ava set for years and now I have the M905 Grace design. I prefer the Grace tenfold on that. Mm. Um, the, the main thing you're looking for is transparency in your monitor controlling if you're using it as your DAC. I mean, either way, you want to instill no, um, no sonic quality to your monitor control. You want as clean of a signal path as possible, lowest distortion possible. Um, the Grace is by far less distortion. I still think there's a color to the Avaset. The Avaset is a lot better than most yeah. uh, on the market. Way better than the Dangerous Monitor Controller. That thing should just be off the shelves. I, by the way, I had that for a while because I was like, I don't want to spend on the Avaset. I didn't know about the Grace. Just get rid of it. Just off um, the shelves. It broke twice. I hated that thing. Fuck. Yeah, Jesus. exactly. Uh, it, it's not. It's not good at all. Um, it's dangerous. Honestly, it's dangerous for monitoring and. Uh, the M905 is great. I use it for the DAC. I've A-B'd it against uh, the Lynx Hilo that I use for my uh, A to D and D to A for my mix bus processing. And I think the Hilo sonically has some more transparent qualities uh, that I've wrestled with. Do I get another one for monitoring? But for flexibility and functionality, the M905, there's nothing else like it that I know of to have all my 
um, my, my playback on one controller where I don't have to touch anything ever. So I have my rough mix um, as a digital uh, out from Pro Tools that goes to the same button as my main mix. I can click it one press and I can AB against the rough mix simultaneously with no, mm. with no latency, which is huge. Then I have my computer playback on it, Apple TV for streaming from the couch. Um, and then there's a B rig that's an analog in from behind me from my production desk with all the synths on it. If someone else wants to come in and, and make beats from there, they can hear themselves with the speakers really easily by one button. So the functionality aspect is great, but you're looking for functionality mixed with low distortion. I want nothing that in my chain that is coloring the sound other than things that I choose to color before that final D to A. Uh, so transparency, just looking for that. And I think the grace is fantastic. Yeah. And it's pretty. That's another part. Aesthetically, it's, it's nice. It sits on the desk looking, looking good and it's not obtrusive. It's, it's very subtle and it sits there. The knob is clean. It doesn't click like the discreet. Oh, we lost John um, for a second. Right? Sit. You there? Yeah, it's I lost clean. you for a second. You said uh, it's pretty. It's pretty, uh, it, it's not obtrusive on the desk. The knob is clean. It sounds good. You're not like hearing that the discreet click from the Ava set. There's nothing distracting from the music. There's no other sounds happening. Uh, I like it a lot. I think that's my favorite on, on the market right now. Yeah, I, I have the, the Ava set, Ava set, however we're saying that. Mm -hmm. um, I've, not, I've, not, uh, I've not messed with the Grace. People seem to like the Grace a lot. That seems to be the favorite of a lot of, a lot of folks. Yeah. Um, I think if you're doesn't you're, sound like anything, yeah, just does what it's supposed to do. We're not trying to add sound with a monitor controller, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Man, there's there's been a we we should do some, we should do a proper episode about gain staging, and maybe that's something we can do. Yeah, not I'm, post food poisoning. Not post-food poisoning. There were two separate, both David and Bradley asked about gain staging. There's been a few yeah. other DMs about that. So maybe, maybe we can do that. We can put that in the, mark that for next week. We'll okay. start out and, and talk about gain staging. So for the people who've been asking about that, next week we'll get into that. Yeah, um, sounds fun. John can be with a, with a, full, uh, a full stomach or, or not a full stomach or whatever. Not yeah. post-food poisoning. Um, uh, Yanni asked, what's the last thing you each learned? Which is sort of an interesting question because I would I would say I probably answer the same way as you, which is constantly learning lots of things all the time, trying yeah. to learn, trying to try new things. I think that one of the things that you and I get along, one of the reasons you and I get along musically and and outside of that is just the constant desire to learn new things, to try new things. Um, I'm constantly learning. I, I just I brought up my my Ensonic Mirage, which you were uh, yeah you were, uh, you, you were enjoying, and, and just like yeah. figuring out how that thing worked and getting sounds off of it. It has a floppy disk drive. It's an old sampler keyboard, um, and just learn kind of new ways that like the way old samplers used to work that don't seem particularly relevant now. But it did a few interesting things in the way that it loaded and mapped keys. And it made me think about, oh, I can use that. I wonder if I can do the same thing on Ableton with the, with the synthesizer chopping things this way. I think we're constantly in a, in a space of learning. So I don't even know what the last quote unquote single thing is that I learned. I'll, I have something really specific because go, right go. before I got on with you, I, uh, besides doing a quick, a few mixed notes, I was listening to uh, Dr. Peter Atia's recent podcast with Matt, with Dr. Matthew Walker on it, who's like this, who's the sleep, the sleep doctor. Guy. 
And then uh, I've I've listened to everything that guy has pretty much ever said in on any sort of public media. Uh, but today I learned the phrase um, uh, sleep procrastination. Um, so I learned today about we all know it's not good to have our phones in our bedrooms, mm. but specifically why and that there's a there's a terminology called sleep procrastination and how you might because the phone is near you, you might choose to do this little thing before you go to bed, send this last email, check Instagram one more time, maybe press play on a on another podcast that's going to be so uh, mind exhilarating that you're not going to be able to sleep because you're so curious about what's going on. And I actually just three days ago, I think it just showed up this morning, uh, ordered a real alarm clock, uh, for my mm. room. So I don't actually bring my phone into the bedroom, uh, anymore, hopefully starting tonight, uh, just leave it out. So sleep procrastination and that it's a real thing. Uh, and it's a problem. So I learned that this morning a little bit ago. Well, one of my favorite, we're all guilty from- of it. So don't pretend you're not. I'm I'm super guilty of it, um, but man, boy, boy, is it great for your sleep, for your energy, for your focus, if you can turn off your technology some amount of time before you actually get into bed and go to sleep. Yeah, at least uh, 30 minutes. Uh, one of the phrases I learned from from some of that Matthew Walker stuff, and also I got to send you some rebuttals to his book as well, because there's some, there's some yeah, factual stuff that bumps Yeah, he goes into them people. on this thing. Yeah, that's what I heard. I saw Peter Atia post about it, but, uh, yeah, it's not. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But we, yeah. Um, the thing that I liked so much from, uh, the first time I heard him is he talked about the difference between sleep and sedation. Mm-hmm. So s- sleeping pills, which sedate you and not melatonin, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know, Xanax and whatever else people use to fall asleep. I mean, alcohol, um, alcohol Night, being nightcap is not a good thing. Yeah, because I go, I always fall asleep when I have a glass of wine. Well, you're sedating your body. It's not actually sleep. It's a different process. It's like propofol. Um, So sleep is not sedation. It was a really important thing for me on that. Um, Game changing stuff. But yeah, constantly learning. I don't know. We're always learning something new. I got to, you know, you get new plugins, you learn how to use them. You read a new book and you learn something different outside of music. You know, you're constantly learning. (laughs) The most recent thing I've learned is the like nine guitar uh, plugin amp simulators that people put in the comments. I'm going to learn a yeah, whole bunch of that. I'm going to download yeah. a bunch of them because you guys are going to DM me and I'm going to check them out and play with them and we'll talk about them next week. I mean, I, I'm I'm always looking for new things um, and trying to trying to find new shit. So yeah. uh, always, 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 always. Um, Let's see. Uh, I, I, Jericho asked this question. Uh, after being a part of so many hits, is there a magic sauce or formula that makes a hit? Uh, no. The answer, of course, is no. Uh, there is something that I, I've, I've been honing on in on in the last few years, which is one of those like sort of annoying philosophical answers. But I think the thing that the vast, vast, vast majority of hits have is they're authentic in some way. There's something in there that feels, you know, having written lots and lots of songs that kind of sound like singles, like have the right melodic arcs and have the right, you know, melodic lift and the production does this and the lyric is kind of clever. If it's not super, super real, it almost always fails against the songs that are. Uh, The songs that I've written that have been hits or songs that I've produced that have been hits, all of them have some... uh, authentic emotional core you know and and i know there are exceptions to this but almost everybody i've ever worked with and every everybody that i've been involved with either written songs with them myself that are hits or the songs that they've written that have been hits have been real songs about their life there's a lot of writing sessions where people write songs 
um, that like, oh, then how about this? And then the what about if this happens to the girl or the guy in the situation as though it's some abstract concept? And Bob Dylan may have been able to do that. And Diane Warren might be able to do that. But there's very few writers that can write a song that isn't about their life or someone in the room. I think what I'm always trying to push writers to do is, all right, what's going on in your life? We have to write about that. And that's how all of my successful songs have happened. All of my friends that have written hit songs that I haven't been a part of, they're all from their lives. Uh, yep. You start writing about someone that isn't there or like try to pitch something to Selena Gomez. What would Selena Gomez say? Like you're, you're just not going to write a great song. I think almost every hit has some real authentic emotion happening. Um, and that's where a lot of songs fall short. Yeah. I have nothing to add. Um, there were some questions about, um, moving to a major city. We talked about this in a previous one. I think we're gonna make a clip out of it, but do you have any, given that we're now three or four months more into COVID world, the last time we talked about it, basically, should I move to LA? Should I move to London uh, as a record maker, as a producer, a mixer? Um, I still think the answer is probably yes because there's just so many more creative people and so many things happening. It's not as necessary. If you can go max out on things like this, where you're interacting with, um, you know, you're interacting with people over social media, you are, you can do sessions over zoom, things like that are happening. There's still a huge advantage to being able to, like you mentioned, going down to the coffee shop and running into a guy and talking about olive oil. And then all of a sudden he's a producer and like, those things happen in cities where lots of those kinds of people are, or lots of people yeah. like us. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a good substitute for that yet. Although in no. LA, in LA, some people are coming back to doing sessions, but still there's a lot of, you know, there's still a lot of social distancing. I, we may get another wave of COVID. It may be six, eight, 10 months, 12 months uh, until we can actually interact with strangers comfortably if that happens. So I, I don't, I don't know that our answer has really changed in the last few months. Do you have any other thoughts no. on it? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm living as though COVID is not going to be here forever. Uh, well, I mean, it could be here forever, but with treatment for it and life gets back to normal at some point, we've experienced, uh, not us necessarily, but we've experienced our species has experienced pandemics before and we've only elevated from there. So, I mean, I still think you have to be in major cities uh, where music is being made to do it, uh, at least in the in the beginning of your career arc. Um, do I think you have to be here or there forever? Mm, I don't know. That's arguable. I'm still figuring that out in my brain uh, coming on. I, I just hit 10 years. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, nothing much has changed. I think you should be here. I think if you've set up your career for five plus years that you're working every day stably for a few years in a row and you have enough um, uh, popular music under your belt that people are continuously hiring you for, then you can start shifting this change in your brain based on values. Are you trying to raise a family? Are you trying to uh, not be at restaurants or bars or coffee shops on a regular basis with groups of strangers around you. And that's the only reason you were in a major city to begin with, have access to that stuff. Like these are considerations that need to, uh, need to be weighed in. Uh, I don't think that there's a simple answer for, do you need to be in a major city to make music? Uh, I think you, I think maybe, I think mostly yes. Uh, 
Yeah, I, especially, I think especially if you don't have a uh, a strong group um, of people that you uh, are artistically creative with to begin with. Well, that's, that's the answer I think is you need to find a network of people. And, um, one of the people who asked that question was, was just outside of Dublin, Ireland. I I don't know what the scene is like in Dublin. I don't know how far outside of Dublin this person is, but, um, you know, if there's a vibrant music community and you can make things that are great and get it out into the world, that's where you need to be. Um, yeah. if London is better than Dublin, go to London, feel it out, see what it's like, especially like you said, if you're, uh, in an earlier place in your life and career, um, that's the time to go make those changes. And by the way, it may be LA and London, it may be, you know, Austin starting next year. It might, you know, New York city might be great or New York city might get abandoned. I don't know specifically which city, but thinking about, as we always talk about the why, like why, why would you go to a major city? It's for a network of people, for yeah. meeting lots of people, strangers, whatever. Um, I think the answer is, you know, find the network of people because that's really, really important. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, we've talked about this a little bit before, but I'm curious what you think about it. Is it uh, Brian asks, is it better uh, or more marketable to be just a starter or just a finisher rather than trying to be both or trying to be everything? I like speciality. I think that if you can do one and get trusted to do one of those things and do it so well, do it better than than the person that's hiring you to do what you do, then you're going to and keep finding people like that. Uh, that you'll be better off for it. You know, being good enough at everything isn't as good as being great at one thing, in my in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I I think you could be good enough at everything and get by. I think that's possible. I'm gonna always fall on the line of speciality and find it and do it and do it more than anything else. And, uh, yeah, that's my, my simple answer. Again, my energy is super low, so I can't find my, many more things to say. No, you're doing great. You're doing great. But, um, uh, it took me a little longer to kind of double down on the finishing. And I think everything happens for the right reasons. And I, yes, I can do just speaking personally, I can do all of the things. Uh, I'm so much better at finishing than I am at starting. And it made sense that I kept getting hired to finish. So be open-minded, be aware of how people are perceiving you and what they're saying about you and why you're in the room, why you're getting asked to do certain things, why you're getting paid to do certain things and assess that against where you want it to be and then decide where you land. Yeah. I think one of the things we talked about before, and for some reason that everything, the chat seems frozen. So presumably people can still see this. I don't know. The uh, Instagram's not updating things right now. Um, But um, we talked in the past that, you know, starting out, you're trying a lot of different things and let, let who you are as a creative person refine as you go on in your career. I mean, you know, like you said, you you did you were a talented producer, writer, as well as mix engineer, as well as other things. And over time, you kind of started to focus on things. You talked a little bit about um, you like the idea of having 
more of a flow and having lots of things come out rather than kind of waiting yeah. and pitching and um, making creative things that don't really land anywhere, even though you're yeah. super proud of them. Um, that process can be frustrating for some people. So I think it's, I think the answer is try to do a bit of everything. I mean, I, I said this, uh, I've said this a few times to people, but like, if I were like 17 right now, I would be a, an artist. I would be a TikToker. I would be a producer. I would be a fashion person. I would be directing videos. I would just be doing everything available to me and both letting my peer, my peer group dictate where I fit in the best. Let the audience tell you or tell me what, yeah. uh, what they like the most and figure out what I really gravitate toward. Um, yeah. I think it's worth trying to do everything. I think that's um, most of our stories at that point. It's it's when do you pivot? When do you change that point of view towards focus? Yeah. Uh, and, and find the right time to, to make that pivot and to understand, okay, this is, and, and being aware the whole time, being as aware of doing it all as you can be aware of when something isn't working. And now you're 29 and the fashion uh, didn't didn't work out for you. You were always uh, on the trend and never ahead of it. You know, back to what you said earlier, and when when to recognize that something isn't working, so you can move on to the other thing. And I think that's important to re- recognize that you're saying specifically, yeah, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, like do it all. But there's probably a time, maybe a bit earlier than someone like me chose to do it, because I think I was thirty when I like really chose to double down. It's probably an earlier time. Maybe that is a time. Maybe that's time to converge. Maybe that's time to start diverging, stop diverging the whole time and converge on an outcome. Um, but there's probably a, a, an actual answer there somewhere that someone else knows about. But I do like yeah. thinking about that at 17, do it all, do everything. Be a photographer, be a, be a videographer and do everything you possibly can to find out what's the, the, what the right fit is. And the right fit might not be what you initially thought it was. It's probably what people are gravitating to you for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're not, I assume you're not seeing any comments or anything change on, on your end. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I am. I'm seeing people join. Okay. I'm not seeing any of that. So I think it's probably just frozen. So we'll just, we'll just keep going. If you see anything interesting, let me know. I can't see the comments for whatever reason right now. And I'm not okay. seeing numbers change. Um, as a part of that, there were a few questions sort of about about career arc. Um, uh, Jamie asked last week, which we didn't get to, so can you talk business a bit? How'd the money start? How's it going? When did you start charging for real? Um, somebody also asked, um, how do you, where is it? Uh, how do you set your mixing or production rates? Um, I, I mean, I could talk about that in a lot of different ways. Do you have any initial thoughts on that? I can kind of, I kind of go on that because there's a lot, you know, produ- production is also different than mixing. There's different. Yeah. Why, why like, don't you, why don't you go? Um, you know, I, as I imagine you have, I've done things for whatever my quote unquote full major, re- major label rate is, which is, uh, a lot more than I get for most projects. There's a lot of projects I've done for little or no money. Um, that sort of thing, it's hard to it's hard to say. One thing that that certainly helps when you get to a certain point is getting uh, a go between, like a manager or an attorney, to do negotiations for you. So you don't have to be yep. excited with an artist and then be like, "By the way, can you pay me X amount of money?" Because you want to just be having creative conversations. So when you can get to the point where you have a representative do that for you, again, an attorney or a manager, 
Um, that's super, super helpful. It also yeah. just legitimizes what you do in the eyes of other business people because most artists and people that will be paying you or labels or whatever have people who represent them. Um, you know, I, th I think the answer is you just got to go through that uncomfortable transition of yeah. start starting to charge things and some people won't be able to afford it. I mean, I, you know, I'm actually in between management right now. I'm, I'm, I'm about to sign with a new manager, but I had a money conversation for the first time in a while, like a week ago. And somebody said, what's your rate? And I said, it's this. And they were like, okay, we can work with that. And I was expecting them to say, oh, easy. Or I, I don't know, it's way too much money. Cause it was a sort of an indie project. And you just, it, that's, it's a hard thing that I think there's very few yeah. people that are, that are both creatives and uh, business people who are able to do both. So ultimately you want to get someone to represent you. Um, oftentimes early in your career, it's someone who is just like your buddy who doesn't really know what they're doing. And sometimes that can get you into trouble. Um, you know, yeah. as a mixer, I imagine you have basically a particular rate. You, uh, so, you know, when I'm doing mixing, it's like I have a rate per song with a royalty, but I'll do a discount if it's a bunch of songs, uh, depending on the project. If it's last minute and they say we only have this much money, it's depending on if I have time and I want to do it, if I like the artist. I mean, is the annoying answer of yeah. it depends. Um, no, that's true. Let me, let me jump in there on that please. because I, yeah, I mean, I, I, gave, I got rid of the indie rate thing. So I have one rate. Hmm. I have a rate that I require per song, like, you know, pays my assistant, pays my, my studio cost uh, for the day, pays uh, my management fees, lawyer, all, all the things and what I need to, to, you know, stay afloat. Now, that's negotiable uh, based on certain considerations. Okay, one of those considerations is, are you an independent artist? Are you self-funding this? Are you an independent artist that tours 10,000 cap rooms? Then you're, uh, you know, as an independent artist and you can afford my mix rate, that consideration is not for you, right? I don't, yeah. major label rate versus indie rate doesn't seem to exist anymore in, in my brain. And it's because, continuing to go away too. Yes, yeah. and, I, and I work, with, a, I work with, a, with plenty of independent artists that are more successful a lot of major label artists that I work with. So that, that yeah. had to go away. But if you're self-funding, you found me because I worked on a song that you love and you reach out, my manager and I discuss what that means. Is the royalty on the back end higher? Are we not as busy this week as last week? Like you said, I mean, it's, it's, it's a time factor too. And it's a passion. If I don't like what you do and you're, off, and you're asking me to hook you up, I'm probably going to say no to the hookup. I might even say no for the full rate too, because I just don't, I see this as a losing battle, right? I yeah. don't see uh, us being aligned. So rate has to come in, in, comes in all shapes and sizes is what I, what I meant mm -hmm. to say. Uh, but I do have a rate. I negotiate on that rate um, above, like you said, a certain amount of songs. I'm actually at like album negotiation. So 10 plus I'll negotiate anything up to that everyone's looking for a hookup. Uh, I, I, I don't know if we talked about it last week, but I think we talked, I talked about it on one of my podcasts that will come out at some point, but someone asked me for a thousand dollars off, like a 20 plus thousand dollar project. I was like a thousand, like ask for five, like ask for something that's reasonable. It's like, everyone's trying to nickel and dime all over just to yeah. see if you'll cave on that. Yeah, and I think we have to, as at a certain level of our um, 
um, of our career, not saying in the beginning, if someone's asking to hook up for something like it's a, you know, $5,000 budget and you, you're asking, they're asking you to do it for four. That's different. It's a different percentage decrease than what that meant to me. And it's just, it, it felt hilarious. It felt like, dude, you're Sony music. I know you have this. Like, so I just said, no, so just, no, I'm not going to put, I'm going to, I'm going to push back on things like that. So you have to pick and choose where you want to negotiate and how you're going to negotiate with what types of people. Is yeah. this someone that's a longstanding client? Um, have they been with you uh, for five plus years and they really need to hook up on this project because this is self-funded, but the producer who's hiring you or the manager that's hiring you has been working with you on major label projects or very highly high profile projects for certain for, for so much longer. Is this a true favor? Like, is this a loyal clientele? Like, there's so many things to, to weigh, but I think everyone should come up with their rate. What is their rate? What is their time? And not the time that they're spending on this uh, particular project, but the time they've spent the amount of years up till this point that have gotten them there to be able to give the client what they desire uh, and in a, in a reasonable amount of time in to hit a deadline or whatever that takes, right? I think if you, you can feel free to ask for a rush rate, you need something in 24 hours, okay, I can do that for you uh, because I have the time this week, but it's going to cost you X on top of this. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of ways, but you should come up with a, uh, a firm, this is what I need for my time for this record. And, yeah. then, and then be negotiable plus or minus based on certain factors. I think it's a great answer, and I want to I want to go back to a couple of people that were that were asking this question. Uh, the one thing to make sure we cover is earlier on in your career, before you're at the point where you really know what your quote unquote rate is. I mean, it's setting it, and maybe it's like you charge five hundred bucks for a mix, and that's what you want to charge, and whatever it is, it can be a a low rate compared to what someone like John might get or some a a, a level mixer, but or producer who gets yeah. you know in the in the low five figures for the for the big producers i think find a rate that works for you but the thing to think about and the thing to think about uh conceptually is that when you're starting out it's your and really ultimately this happens as well but the quality of your work is going to get you work so early on you're not going to be able to charge until you get things uh, until you make records that people are approaching you because they love. So you are going to, your the money is going to follow the quality of your work, not the other yeah. way around. So you yeah. got to do great work that's out in the world before you can start really charging. Um, because if people yeah. don't know what people don't know what you're doing or, you know, you can send people great quality mixes, but them hearing it out in the wild is what's going to get them to approach you. So you're going to, yeah. you're going to get paid less money starting out and it's, you know, you can call it paying your dues or whatever you want, but you have to make really high quality stuff for low money and yep. then the money will follow that. Um, and you another, just, another, just part of the way to, it is. Another thing to add on that, on that note is starting out and continually continuing some years to come is a simple uh, way to think about filling your calendar. You, you want to work X amount of days, X amount of hours per day, put that in your calendar and fill it. If some of it fill is filled it. with free work, you need to practice anyway, fill that time with something for a homie, reach out to someone on Instagram that you think is dope, but don't ask, don't reach out to them saying, I want to mix your shit, then charge 1500 bucks for it. Reach out and say, Hey, how can we, how can we work together? 
well, let me, I got time this week. Let me do one for you. I think you're dope. And fill the calendar. And then that, that'll help your chances of getting songs like that out in the world that people will, you know, to, to say, well, you can't find work. It's like, well, what do you mean work? Or you can't find the right budget projects for yourself right now. That might, that's a different thing than I can't find work. I bet you could, could find work. Yeah, and, out. and and a part of that it, it goes into another conversation which we could talk about for probably an hour is momentum. When you when you do great work for a manager, an artist, a label, if you do great work, it's on time, it's high quality, then you can just parlay that into the next thing. I mean, that's you want to be the the. There's a few labels that I've done a ton of work for. Psycho, which just disbanded, which had One Direction, but then had Little Mix and lots of other people on them. Like I did one or two really great things for them, and I just kept getting hired because that momentum. Yeah. We were just in a flow. It's like, can you do another one? I have it. it. Can it be turned around in two days? Absolutely, because I know one, it's fun to work on. Two, they pay decently, and three, I'm gonna keep working with them. And so yeah. when you, that's, that's another, it actually gets back to the, should you move to a, a, a big city, working with people consistently, compound relationships as, as the tech investor and philosopher Naval talks about, compound relationships like compound interests are hugely yeah. important. You know, you want to be working with people for years and yeah. oftentimes that starts out, no one's making any money and then you all win together yeah. and make a whole bunch of money. Um, yeah. So, so fill, filling your calendar so that you can continue to do work for your own momentum money. and for the momentum of people around you. Money is a bad motivator. Human connection and developing relationships is a great motivator. And at some point, money does come um, when songs are, are being streamed. Money is being generated. It's got to go somewhere. So some of it's going to come to you if you worked on a song that's doing well. Yeah, and look, it, and it is, it's, it's, it's tough when you're working out, uh, when you're starting out. I, I recorded my first band at 11 and got my first big check at 28. Yeah, right. So, right. so it only took me 17 years of making it because I wanted to make it. And yes, I tried to make money in there and I did entrepreneurial yeah. stuff and I had a record label and we were putting on shows and I was thinking about how do we make a little profit here, a few hundred bucks here. But it was like 17 years of recording yeah. bands Same. and mixing and that sort of thing Same. before before I made real money. And by the way, that's where the competitive part of this thing that we do comes into play where a lot of it is attrition. You got to just continue working for years and years and years because you love it. Because, you know, all the, all the reasonable people stopped doing it. I, by the way, and I worked with so many people when I was growing up that were more talented than me, that, uh, were better as an artist or better as a producer, whatever. And all those people ultimately got regular jobs. Maybe they're happier. Maybe they did. Maybe they made the right choice. It was definitely the saner choice at the time. But I just kind of kept grinding it out, and I had great opportunities meeting people and working for people and great collaborators. But it took 17 years, uh, so I didn't feel like I became an adult until I was like 29. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be able to have a career with this." Um, let's uh, let's hit Josh's question on the screen right now. What do you think about mixers getting a point on the records they do? Should it be a standard practice or not? Yeah, I think it should be standard practice. I didn't I always feel this way. I get a point. I get a point. Uh, everything I mix. Yeah, same. Um, what I wanted, what I want to disclose, and I won't disclose what what anything specific. But there was a there was a very big record that I didn't get a point on that solidified the fact that I now deserve a point on every song. So I didn't get a point on something that now states that I need a point on everything else. So there's 
um, that's a bit of a personal thing. Well, that's what we were talking about, which is the the money follows the success. Exactly. You get a, you get a big record. As I have an no regret. Producer, then you I get have no regret. Forever. Yeah. No regret not having a point on said record because now it opened the doors to getting a point on everything since. I do think you have to pay your dues and and be deserving of that to some degree because I think what's deserving is of a point is the way you're affecting the copyright. The way you're affecting the record, you coming in and making no moves and not doing anything to the record and kind of getting lucky being on it because you helped the producer like record a vocal. Maybe I don't know about that. I'm still like kind of and I, I think some a lot of people are going to say that's controversial and say, nope, if you worked on it, you deserve a point. Well, I don't know if that's true. I'm not 100 percent on that. But if you mix the record and you affected the sound of the record, I think you're deserving of a point. Yeah, look, I, and I, it's important again to, it ties back nicely to what we were saying that you're going to, you're going to do the work before the money comes. But if you do great work, you know, I, I, you actually may have mentioned what song it is on a previous stream, but I'll, I'll, we won't, won't say it out loud. Um, but when you mix a song or you're involved with a song, that's a big hit. Um, yeah, it would be nice to get a little bit more money or a little bit more percentage of it. But if you get the credit on it, then that's your career for the next 10 years or five years or whatever it is yeah. because you did great work. So do it again on a bunch of other things. I mean, this is something that I mentioned in a previous stream where my, my, my dear friend, artist, producer, Chris Wallace, I was stressing about a song, uh, about it going the right place or getting the right thing. And he's like, unless you think it's the last great song you're ever going to write, like just get I know. out of the world and move on. And it's a really and important thing. I know. And whether you believe it in the moment or not, that's impossible that what you did was the last great thing you'll do. That's just not even a thing. That's yeah. not even possible. You that's want your not. great work to be out in the world. And yes, you want to get compensated for it. But the other thing too, nobody is ever going to get adequately compensated for anything. You're always going to, the best people always do more work than they get credit for they always you know that but but those people get hired over and over and over what you what you lose in one or you don't feel like you completely get what you deserve in one instance if you work harder than everybody else and do better work and do some of other people's jobs you're going to get hired forever and that's yeah. where it's the long tail where all that value is yeah um, agreed uh, I've gotten to the point, you've gotten to the point where we get points on records we work on. And sometimes when I'm producing things, you know, hip hop realm, if you're a producer, you're also a writer, which is an interesting conversation. If you're in Nashville and you're a producer, you're never getting publishing. Um, right. and, and there's a whole spectrum in between. So sometimes I get hired to produce and I get publishing. Sometimes I don't. Depends on the project. Sometimes yep. it's negotiable. Sometimes if somebody doesn't have a big enough budget to pay my fee, we do a larger royalty. We do a little bit of pub. It, you know, you, you, these things, these things are just are conversations that you and I now get to have having had hits and having had success. But when you're starting out, do the great work, get the great work. And then once that work blows up, get your good credit, even if you didn't get all the money or get the point and then apply that to your next, you know, if you have a hit, the price goes up for the next one. Right? People say that all the time. You have a hit price goes up. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the way to do it. Somebody, somebody's, uh, there was a great question earlier, which I wanted to flag as well, um, which you and I have talked about a little bit, which is how do you say no? Uh, and that might be a, that might be a, a, another whole hour. The ability to, and I was talking to somebody in the DMs, I can't remember who it was, um, about, about 
getting rough mixes that were really smash and you, we did it there's a clip on on the live I'm just saying no. um but 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 if there's something you want to work on or something you get hired for and the rough mix is a little too hot being able to have a conversation and being able to say no being able to say hey i'm going to do a little more like this the ability to communicate is probably the most important part of being a record maker um you know, I think a lot of people have the same skills, the same plugins. Everybody's got a splice account. Everybody's got, you know, uh, everybody's got a lot of the same tools. What it really is, aside from taste, obviously, and experience, is the ability to communicate. I think most people get hired because and rehired because they're great to deal with and they can communicate well and help you achieve your goal. I think the ability to say no comes down to being able to have a good conversation with people, being able to tell people no. I mean, I don't know that there's a specific answer of how do you learn how to say no to people, but that's a really, I don't know, you got, you got thoughts on that? It's a really important skill. I just like to exist in the, in the thought realm of I'm not afraid to lose the gig. So that makes it easier to say no because this isn't the last gig I'm going to be offered, right? It's that, that, that thought. Um, uh, like, is this going to be the last great song you write? Was well, this going to be the last good or great song I get asked to mix? Like, that's just, it's not realistic to think that way. So saying no, it's not going to be the last time you're offered a song. Yeah. Um, do you, I, I only say no to things that one are for two reasons. One, they're just so far out of the budget that, I'm devaluing myself and other mixers by saying yes to it um, yeah. at, at my mixer equivalence level. Um, I think there are kind of three tiers of mixer uh, rate points. Um, I think I'm in the middle of these tiers. Maybe there's four tiers, but I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle of what it costs to have. Uh, a, so if it's something that's in uh, way below that, that tier, I have to say no. Um, or if it's something I just, I don't think I can enhance like, like back to the, the, the smash rough mix. Like what am I going to do to improve your minus four EDM limited version of an acoustic guitar and vocal song? Like how yeah. am I going to make you understand what it could be like to have a compelling, uh, uh, dynamic version of this when this is how you've been living with it forever. It's a losing battle. I'm going to say no. Yeah. Not because I don't like your song, because I don't like you as an artist, because I know you're not going to be able to hear the improvement because of demoitis. So right. I say no. Um, I'm about to say no to something that I've already been contracted to mix, that I really mm. want to mix, that I, I love this artist. But the producer involved is, is, is such a headache right now. Like asking for stems, he's like, oh, I'm going to give you the dry stems. I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, well, they're not using my my mix, so like I'm going to give it to you dry. I'm like, no, no, you're rough mix is the last version of the mix that's the producer mix everyone else just gives that over what do you mean this is how do you want the record to win now nah, i'm not getting paid or credit as a mixer so i'm gonna give it to you dry it's like well i'm gonna back out of the mix then and now you're hurting that artist yeah so uh, like there's there's weird weird things like that that come up very rarely and like, i don't want to be a part of that that means that you're being competitive you're not wishing for the best of the song so i don't want to be involved in records like that um so there's there's a that's a, a very um, that's a very recent example. It's mostly because I'm just I don't feel like I can do a good job on it. Yeah, money money aside. Yeah, I, you know I, we could get into that uh, deeper as well. I think that's right. I, yeah, you just you you gotta you gotta do things that I'm just not afraid of an, of another gig not coming. 
Um, and I don't, I don't want to be overconfident about that because you could be hot shit for a couple of years and no one could fuck with you. Like this is very possible. I'm very aware of yeah, that yeah, yeah. too. So it's not an, uh, it's not overconfidence. In fact, I don't have high confidence in this game at all. I just continuously get hired. So other people must have that in me. So I'm going to give them what they are asking me for and still do my best work. But because of the regular hiring, I don't, um, I'm not afraid of saying no. Yeah. Uh, and I think you also gain respect by saying no to things that aren't quite in your wheelhouse. Um, you want to you want to put your best foot forward on everything. So if you're going to say yes to everything, you're going to miss more. Um, I'm not saying this right. Uh, if you're going to say yes to everything, there's a higher chance of you missing because you're not working on the things that you specialize in. Uh, a, pol a polite a polite no is an extremely powerful thing. Yeah. Um, being being okay with losing a gig is is an extremely powerful thing. Um, yeah. we got we got a couple minutes left there are a bunch of people in there talking about sample rates. You want to you want to give a I don't want to talk about sample rate. Yeah, I don't really either. I think I never want to talk about sample rate. Do whatever you like. Yeah, the only thing I'll say about sample rate is if you're switching back and forth and converting you're losing fidelity and so don't do sure. that. Uh, if, you, if, if you're you doing a jazz it. record, do 192. That's what I'll say. <laughs> with a with a with a computer that can take it. Yeah, exactly. With fast, well, fast hard because, drives. Because you'll probably well, yeah, exactly. But you probably won't need as many plugins after you're recording a jazz record. Well, so you, you your computer can handle it. Just put a ton of decapitator on everything. Um, yeah, I think we touched on a lot of for feeling pretty sick today. I think we touched on a lot of good stuff. I think these are. I love these kind of questions more than what saturator I use on a guitar or something. Yeah. I think that's cool. And I'm, I'm glad we, we did a, a few weeks of that as well. And we can, we can definitely keep doing that. But I think these kind of more, uh, these bigger questions of how do you, uh, how do you say no? How do you exist in this, in this, um, in a creative field, whatever it is, whatever discipline you're in and, and stay stay fresh and excited and and um, build a community and these bigger bigger things are a little bit more important. So totally we should, agree. I get excited about these things, even if I didn't seem excited. I was excited. Oh, you seem very excited. You you did great. We picked up nicely. Um, there's okay. still other uh, other great questions. We're we're we have two uh, minutes. We're we're under yeah we're under two minutes here, so we probably call it here. Um, you want to do gain staging next week? I think so. Yeah, you, I feel like you and I should actually get on the FaceTime this this coming weekend and figure out how we want to talk about it. Um, and you guys, please hit us up with suggestions about things. Obviously, the, the weekly questions are great. Um, oh yeah, I don't know yet, Josh. Um, we wanted to put them out September first. This is talking about uh, the conversations podcast. Yeah, was asking I, about that. I don't want to say yes, but hopefully within the next month. Um, and then th these conversations that you and I are having, the, the Live with Matt Rad uh, stuff is, uh, we got seven podcasts, seven audio versions up right now. We've done now 15 of these, get more up this week. We got clips on uh, Live with Matt Rad, which address a lot of topics. We're starting to get some duplicate questions. So I'm really trying to get more, uh, more clips up on there so you guys can uh, watch them, share them give us likes, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and please give us feedback too. Hit me in the DMs. Uh, appreciate you guys very much. John, feel better. You actually look great. Uh, no more food poisoning. No more eating things off the ground. I got to go lay down though. Great. <laughs> well, I hope you feel better soon. Thank you guys for... Uh, Thanks. For, for, yeah, we'll do game staging next week, I think.
Bye, guys. Peace.